And then we normally sing, but we're not going to sing right now. Okay? There's just no band up here, and I'm not going a cappella, people. You guys are a little tired, I'll be honest. I'm looking out there. I see some crusty eyes, but uh, I still love you. And uh, I hope you still love me because uh, today uh, I may bring a little bit of truth that you may not like. Uh, so, you know, sometimes I've talked to you about this. Sometimes when you're uh, bringing the Word of God, you feel like you want to do some PR, like, massage it a little bit or manipulate it, but uh, that's not necessary. Uh, God does a good job at communicating with what sometimes we don't. And, uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit more, and, and the reason I think maybe it'll be hard for some of you is uh, maybe it's really annoying um, to have something restated to you. I know sometimes I'm impatient when somebody's like, hey, did you hear that? And I'm like, yeah, I heard that. Well, here's this again, or this again, and you're like, really? Okay, uh, do we have to be reminded over and over again? And you know what I've noticed about God and the scriptures is that he says a lot of the same things over and over again. I think it's because we forget, or truthfully, we don't care, or even something worse, we rebel. We disagree with God because normally it'll make us uncomfortable with whatever maybe he's asking of us. And so we're disobedient and rebellious at times. And uh, so I kind of want to loop back around from last week. We talked about three simple things. We talked about what is the vision of Jesus. And we, we, through the scriptures, found out Jesus' vision, when Jesus shows up and he gets off the throne and he comes to hang with us here on earth, is that uh, he comes to seek and save the lost. We talked about the word lost, and sometimes we don't like that word, but... We, uh, we talked about, you know what, that's Jesus' mission, is there's people that are missing. And we talked a little bit about uh, Chiron and uh, what that must be like for his parents to have a lost child out there. And uh, although it's even inadequate because God's got many lost children out of there, and it's, it's hard to, to take the horizontal view and, and make it God's view, but it was startling, I think. I heard from lots of you this week to say, well, that was an illustration that means something to our community because of some of the families and the way that they're connecting with Skyline. And, but even furthermore, the family of God and what it means to, to, to see brothers and sisters who, who don't know that they've been adopted by God yet. And so we talked a little bit about that, what Jesus' vision was. And then the second thing was, was what's Jesus' motivation? Is Jesus just down here and he's going to do his job? Has he just got a big job duty, and he's like, the minute I can get this done, I can get back to heaven, because this place is a rat hole. <laughs> I don't know where that stuff comes from, but I just want to say, <laughs> rat hole is not in my notes. I'm just letting you know. These things come out. So at some point, you may have to forgive me for a bad illustration, okay? Bad pastor. Okay, so the deal is, is, if Jesus' vision is to seek and save lost, then uh, what's his motivation to do that? Is he just trying to get the job done? Ooh, okay, so here's the part where sometimes we're like, okay, so you're saying I'm supposed to talk to people who do not yet know, like, the light of the world has come, like, Emmanuel, that God has been with us, and 
you got my heartbeat going now, and um, so that's what I've got to do. It's not just a job duty. I mean, wouldn't it be easier if you asked me to put 15 flyers on the doors of my neighbors or if I had to wear a weird T-shirt around? Will that suffice? Can, uh, can I just, like, seek the loss in some way? Can I make everybody watch a video, like the Passion of Christ or something? Could that do it? And, and then what we found out is Jesus' motivation was to please God. And so when we think about our friends that don't know Christ, um, do you know that it pleases God to talk to them about God? And we'll talk a little bit more about that delicate situation. It's hard to talk about God. It takes a long time through the life of a Christ follower to be able to naturally and organically and appropriately say, here's the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Here's the way he came. It's in, he came incarnated. He wrapped himself, God wrapped himself in the tent, as Paul would say, in the temporary of flesh. He came to become like us. And his motivation was to please his father. And so today I want to look a little bit more at the third one. So that's why I would say this is a part two of last week. I didn't feel like we got to sit enough in Jesus' strategy. So Jesus' vision is that he's here to seek and save people. And he's asked us to be a part of that. And then his motivation was to please the Father who put him on the search committee. And so the search and rescue begins with Jesus, and then he calls us into that. And he trains us how to do that. And sometimes it takes a long time. But the third point last week was Jesus has a strategy, and it's to incarnate, to become like, to be with. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, what does it look like for us to become like our neighbors? Have you ever been, uh, you know, I've been, I've, I joked earlier in the week on my Facebook, and, and some people took it uh, good and bad. I always get, the secret messages are the bad ones. They come in not on the wall. They come in like, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, okay. Um, I said that I, I have 20 cups of coffee with people a week which may have sounded heartless, but um, when I'm having my 20 cups of coffee with Christians a lot of the time during the week, I'll sit with them and sometimes, or, you know, did you see a bell on? Every once in a while I'm in a pub or getting a different kind of drink or something like that. But um, I make sure you don't see me. But, because um, I've seen all of you there. Anyway, um, but when, I, when I'm there and in the conversation, and maybe you've been there too, where you're with somebody who follows Christ, and it doesn't have to be where you're getting a beverage. It could be at the soccer game or a football game or wherever, the family reunion. But uh, this is kind of one of these hard things, and this is why I thought today we could address this, is when you're with other Christians sometimes, have you noticed some of them talk too loud sometimes? And when they're speaking Christianese, the dialect of, of like... Praise you, brother. Bless you. May God have his hand upon you and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you're like, well, not everybody gets that here in this culture. And uh, I'm uncomfortable not with God, not with God in my life. I can speak, I could speak fluent Christianese. I can even understand the dialect of which you're speaking of the subculture of Christianity within the world very small subculture within Portland, right? But 
Sometimes we go, how, what is it like to be Christ following and to be in culture? Because I think there's, a, there's almost a disease in Christianity of, uh, I, I'm, I'm picking words slowly because this is unscripted, but I'm thinking there's some kind of disease, and you make up the name for it. I won't put that creativity challenge to myself here in front of you. The deal is, is there's a disease of, I call it herky-jerky Christianity. There's a disease that Christians somehow become very culturally insensitive because they have Jesus and they, and they feel like they actually own Jesus' truth, like it's their truth, like they made it up. Sometimes they wield it throughout public or sometimes they'll, they, you talk to some Christians and they can't speak without only putting a, a scripture to everything that they've said to you. And you're like, well, that's a little bit odd sometimes. I had this disease early when I was following Christ. And, when, and a lot of times you'll see that people will have this at times. And I'm being harsh. I'm using the word disease, and some of you are already upset at me. But, but here's the deal. I used to watch a Laker game with my brother growing up, being in Southern California. We'd be watching, and I'd be like, that guy's a Christian. And he's like, yeah. Does he dunk differently? <laughs> no, but he, he dunks for the glory of God. And he's more free, Galatians 3.16. My brother's tweaking, who grew up in the same household as me where they, people would drop the, you know, knowledge about Jesus. And so he's just like, you know, what is it with you, man? And um, so I didn't know it, but I was herky-jerking to Christianity going, you know, Laker game. And there's some weird Christian delight in that. Um, so... Let's get back to the Bible. <laughs> Here is where we're going to go today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And what we're going to try and accomplish today together is uh, reading through this scripture that talks about what is our place in culture. There's a lot of verses and, and probably the most, well, you hear, I'm in the world but not of the world. Okay, so what does that mean what does it mean for us to, to serve people, to take Jesus' strategy and to become like them? And the first scripture uh, that we're going we're gonna to sit in this 1 Corinthians 9, and uh, let's start at verse 23. No, let's go 19. We'll go 19 to 23. Here we go. Hey, let's stand. How about that? Why are we standing? We're standing because... This isn't just any old book, and these aren't just any old words. This is Holy Scripture. This is what God wanted you to hear today. This is where God wants us to partake of as nourishment. And this is his word to us. It says this in 1 Corinthians. Minding Corinth is a city similar to Portland in some prosperity ways, in the ways that our economy was the last 10 years here. Um, it's a, actually a rebellious, a little bit of a hostile, a little bit of an arrogant city, Corinth is. And so Paul's trying to reel it back in, and he's, he's talking to some people, and he's 
probably talking to, to some hearers, some brothers and sisters in Christ, that he's saying, hey, can you remember this place that, that you're to have in culture? And so he's realigning them. And uh, maybe this will relate to you. Sometimes you, you cross the boundary of what it's like to be in culture, maybe using cultural language, you, using cultural media. Um, sometimes you've allowed your heart to cross the line from pure to impure. And I think he's calling some people back, and he's also saying, here's how we live, okay? So they're a port town as well. Okay, so for, for though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all. This is Paul's manifesto uh, towards the way he serves. My, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. Now, this is, he's kind of side-talking here when he says, though not being myself under the law. So what he's doing is saying, I became as that person. Don't worry, I didn't leave Christ. I didn't come under this belief system. So in other words, he could be saying, you know, I became like a Buddhist to my Buddhist friend. But he's, but he's saying, don't worry, I didn't become, you know, uh, I didn't start chanting and doing these mantras and blah, blah, blah. This is basically what he's saying to them. He's reassuring them that, that he didn't become them literally. He says, I became as one under the law, though not my, being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside of, of the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. You may be seated. Let's go to John 1 while we're at this. I want to just say, you hear Paul and his manifesto, and he says this many times, right? I became like, I became like, I became like. The big gold nugget today is, I became like to connect, right? He became like to connect to these different people in society. He became like them to connect. For what reason? He says, for the sake of the gospel and for them to have blessings. If you don't remember anything else, and you're like, what did he talk about today? That we are to become like our neighbors, our friends, the other humans on this planet, and we are to connect them, motivated by the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that that blessing can flow into their life. We become like, or as, right? We become like to connect them to the good news of Christ so that they can be saved and have that blessing flow. Why did I repeat that and really even feel like I should repeat it again? Because this is the crux of our life. This is a huge part of our life. This is the desire that God wants you to have. When God has an ambition, when he looks upon his lost children, his ambition is for this to happen, for us to be used, to become like by any means necessary, right? He's just saying, I became all things to all people. That's very liberal to go. I don't make people just come into only the church construct. I become them. 
I do whatever I, it takes. I'm going to go do their activities. I'm going to go hang with them. I'm going to become them. I'm going to listen to them. I could never become like them if I'm not listening to them. If in their weakness, he says, I've taken the times where I've been beat or been weak or that I've been in prison. At, at times I've been depressed. I'm going to take that depression. I'm going to take that and I'm going to be with those who are oppressed and weak and depressed. I'm going to be with them so that... He's not saying anything for himself so that they can be connected to Jesus and have the blessings of Jesus. This is crucial to who we are. That's why I've restated it now about four times. We could probably sit in that all day just to go, how am I becoming like? What am I becoming like? Is there a real true strategy for the lost in what I'm doing and what I'm becoming Our whole life revolves around this. People should be choosing careers to go, I'm going to reach teachers for Christ. I'm going to connect them to the blessing of that. I'm going to reach psychologists or social workers, or I'm going to reach musicians and artists. Paul's saying, I became like those people. Who is your neighbor like? How do I become like my neighbor who's, who's uh, a single mom? with three different daddies for her kids. How do, I, how do I become as her? How do I listen to her story? How do I become that way so she can connect to the blessings of what God has through Jesus Christ for her? This is what he's saying. This is the mission we're on. This is what God's laid before us. This is what should excite us. We must get over our fear and our scared because sometimes we think more about how things are a reflection of us rather than how are they a reflection of God. I don't want to become like that. I don't want to take the time to listen. I don't want to take the time to be with them. Or sometimes we'll just remain in what's easy, what we already are. We'll go, well, I'll bring Christ to people already like me. Have you ever seen years ago, Saturday Night Live had this skit called Me Harmony. And Me Harmony, it was a take on E-Harmony, right? But the, the, the Me Harmony was, um, you know, hi, I'm Dr. whatever, Dennis McQuarren. And uh, welcome to Me Harmony. And he says, he says, we ask you about the only topic that's important to you, you. And, uh, and then they go on to talk about, you know, everything about me. And then at the end, what the funny part is, is each comedian talks ahead of time. And they're like, I was looking for somebody who was like me that really got me. And then later on, they're like, I found somebody that got me on every level. And so if it was a guy, then, the ne- then what they would do is dress him up as a girl. So basically, the guy and girl have the same face, same shoulder height. And, and so they're talking about how blissful it is to really find yourself. <laughs> it's really pretty funny. It's really pretty true. How can I find the closest version of me? This is an outstanding model. I'd like to find the female addition. Some would say upgrade. What's that have to do with the message? 
the message is this. I've got a secret to tell you, Red Sea. Churches become me-harmonious, me-harmony. People come into churches looking to date the church, and they want to see themselves. And when they don't see themselves, then they'll leave and go, I have nothing in common with them. And unfortunately, people also stay in churches because they go, they're just like me. And Paul says, you are to become like them. Do you know what the me harmony is here at Red Sea? Predominantly, I'm being very broad stroked, young white families. We get our occasional influx seasonally of the single young students. <laughs> We're pretty white. We've got lots of little kids running around here all of the time. Is that a bad thing? No, but we cannot go, I'm going to be Christ to young white families. Our gospel can't go, I'm going to find people just like me. Churches even ordain this. They call them affinity groups in many churches. There's a program for everybody who's just like you. We're the young marrieds. We're the young marrieds, but they call us new roots because we just rooted down and started a family. We're the young families. You really should have two kids in this one because the new roots is the one kid. We're over here. I'm in the singles group, or I'm newly divorced, or I'm in the... <laughs> this is a good time to... Your wife emailed me this week. <laughs> His wife goes to another church. She won't even sit with him. Actually, my wife does. She's not here, any of my kids. Oh, okay. There she is. Great. Thank you for staying with me. This is awesome. You look so much like me. Me harmony really worked. Churches try and look like each other sometimes. I'm sorry. It's just there's these affinity groups, and people ordain, um, and I think are almost sacrilege to the Scripture that says, you know what, it takes work to become like. You've got to become like others, and it takes work to be in their zone. So simply speaking, I'm going to ask Dave and Dom to come up here. So I just want to give a really simple picture of like, okay, so becoming like, what does this look like when he's saying become like? Okay. Um, I'm going to put Dom there. Dave. Okay. No, turn around. You're going to become like Dom. I'm not going to do props or anything. Okay, just start moving this way. He actually has a strategy where he's going to go into a culture. Dom, lo Dom loves to skate. If you know Dom, he loves to skate. He's creative. He's, uh, he can build anything. He's ridiculously talented with his hands. He's uh, entrepreneurial. He's owned a company. He's a family guy. 
So, but here's the deal. The scripture is saying, let's say Dave was not all of those things, but he has his own qualities. This is for self-esteem purposes. <laughs> He's a wonderful person. Nobody has Christ. And maybe Dom doesn't. And so he comes, and he actually is a steel worker and a steel fab guy and highly creative and very artistic, and there's a million ways that these two dudes connect. But let's just say he's going to become like him, and so he speaks to become like him so that, how, what? He became like Dom so that he can connect him to the gospel, the good news of Christ, so that Dom and his family and his friends could know Jesus. It's really that basic, but this scripture says that. Now, if they were different colored skin, would they have an excuse? If this guy was a computer IT guy and this guy was an artist that never wanted to line up zeros and, uh, and ones and, and never thought logically a day in his life, would that give him an excuse? <laughs> so here's, here's the key here, though. Many times Christians will come and say, hey, here's Christ. So he gets Christ. Now you come back over here. And what happens is people then say this. Here, you've got to come with me. You've got to join my subculture and live life the way I do things. You probably shouldn't hang out with skaters because skaters smoke a lot of dope. They uh, get loaded. They, uh, they talk... We talk funny. Um, uh, we listen to really obnoxious, loud music um, that we love. I'm just kidding. You. I'm looking at him. Uh, but here's the deal. So people go, well, you know, God wants you, and I was told to go become like you so that you could have the things of God, but you don't get to be yourself. Mm-mm. Actually... He's supposed to stay over here, a skater and a broski, and he's supposed to just follow Christ and not have to leave his community. And here's what happens is Christians go, oh, I'll become like a Muslim, and I'll go hang out at your mosque, and you know what? I'll pay attention to what Ramadan is, and I'll read a little bit of the Quran, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be with you, and we can talk spiritual things, and we can talk about God's kingdom, and we can talk about spiritual warfare and all of these things. And all of a sudden, this person goes, wow, all that common ground. I see Christ now. And then what we do is we go, you have to be like this. And this person says, but my umrah, my community, I've been Muslim my whole life, or I've been Catholic my whole life, or I've been Lutheran my whole life. Are you telling me I I can't be a part of my community anymore? And that's not what the scriptures say. Now, will there be things like places like this that other people will come to, but isn't designed by him. It's designed by God to say all nations are welcome. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. And how beautiful would that day be? All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, they like round of applauses. They just, you know, it's embarrassing. So I want you to look or write down... uh, 
the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He later says, and from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. So when Jesus became flesh, here the word and deed working together, God said, promised, became. We talked about this before. You can't separate the man of who Jesus is, the God of who Jesus is, from the message or from the mission. We talk about orthodoxy, orthopraxy, word, deed. We're seeing that that. What God says is completely and perfectly personified and demonstrated in Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is, as God's word moves through us, like today's 1 Corinthians piece is to say, we become like, that's, he's not just saying it, but we need to become our neighbors. God will speak to us and go, I need you to join your neighbor in this, in this respect. And you'll hear us talk a million times over at this church about, Becoming like in grace and truth is two of our values at this church. So in grace and truth, there's unity. But what it is is we listen to our neighbor, we become like our neighbor, and we hold our hand out to connect with them, become like them, and we build a bridge of trust. And when there is a bridge of trust built relationally in the context of relationship, then it can handle and bear the weight of truth. But sometimes, this is what I'm talking about and being facetious, saying, hey, we talk loud or we just go like a bull in a china shop into other cultures and we have no trust, we've built no environment of relationship, and we just start throwing the truth around and it's very damaging. And so we become like to say, I understand you and your plight and I care for you and I love you. And you know what? You can't just do this. You don't want to do this. We don't want to do this. This takes time and hard work. We can only do this by the power of the gospel, and that's why it's his motivation. That's why it's his thrust for Paul and Jesus showing us his, his power to sit with the marginalized, his power. So what are some people I've, been, I've thought about? Who, who would we incarnate? Like, and I just thought of three people in my mind, and I wrote some notes down. I don't know if I have them anywhere. I thought of three common, and I want you to take notes just because maybe this will spark some other people that you're thinking about. But if I just accused us of being, I would say, we're not overly anything. I'm not saying we're bad, but what I'm saying is we could really have a bad habit here if we're all about white young families. That would really, we would really miss out on the gospel. We would really miss out on what God's real vision is for reaching people. And so I just thought about three simple people. These people may be like your neighbors. They may be like your coworkers. But I was thinking about uh, these people, and I'm going to name them Josie, Jose, and Joe. Josie is... In her 20s or 30s, she's single. She uh, considers herself close to married, but she's not really, she's not married. She may have, she may be lesbian or heterosexual. She may have her boyfriend or her girlfriend living with her. They have a dog. 
especially if it's a guy and girl, they're egalitarian. What do I mean by that? They have a mindset that says there's no real role or responsibility difference between being man and woman. So we're, we're, we're really going to try and punch out um, an equality. We highly value that. We moved to St. John's with our dog. We're new homeowners. We're eco-green friendly. Have you ever seen any of these people around? Some of, them, some of you are here. Most of the time, they're not from the neighborhood. They're creative. They're educated. They like to go to thrift stores and pubs and coffee. And what would the gospel be for Josie? Where would the people of Christ join Josie? Where would somebody become like her? And this really scrambles a lot of Christians' mindsets to go, am I supposed to become lesbian? How am I supposed to do that? No, you're supposed to listen to your gay, lesbian, transgender, single, unmarried, dog-loving, sometimes more than people, neighbor. That's Josie. I think there's, there's a hundreds of thousands of Josies in our city. And, and they're moving here, and people call that gentrification because they can't afford the Hawthorne neighborhood. They come to St. John's. Or Mississippi's taken off too much, and it's not underground enough. And then there's Jose. He's an immigrant. He's either the first or second generation. He's Latino or Islander. English is a second language. He's a blue-collar worker that loves baseball or soccer. He's got a big-time work ethic. He's lower income. He's generally not college-educated. So students may go, I have nothing in common with Jose. Why would I become Jose? I'm getting a higher education. I don't come from a neighborhood that has brown people. Or like me, when I grew up, brown people do your yard. They don't even speak my language. How could I become like them? They're family-driven. They have a high emphasis of male machismo. They are married. A lot of them have Catholic backgrounds. Or they're being swayed into Kingdom Hall or they're becoming Mormon if they're Islander or Tongan or Samoan. By the way, backing up back to Josie, Josie's been burned by the church. Josie may have been molested in a church. Josie hates Christians. They represent pain, And nobody wants to become like her, especially a Christian. Nobody wants to listen to her. And Jose is just looked at. He has a menial job. He makes a lower income. And he lives across the tracks from most people. And how does the gospel come to Jose? Where do the people join him? And then there's Joe. 
And Joe's a longtime St. John's resident. He can be black or white. He's used to an environment of crime, of drug and alcohol, of domestic abuse. He's a blue-collar worker, or he's on government assistance. There's low levels of responsibility in his life. In fact, he was taught that by his father that never raised him, that never trained him. This is a a litter mentality. Somebody else will pick it up. Somebody else will do it. I've never been trained or matured. I have no tools for life. I'm definitely prone to be in a gang. I'm definitely prone to take your stuff because you look down on me. Christians become like me. They've totally condemned hip-hop. Why would I want to hear that? My everyday language is littered with four-letter bombs. Christianity has maybe come through a grandmother, but it's been religious. You have to wear a certain outfit. They pass the plate three times. They make the pastor look like a king when I know he's a dirtball. I know that he's sleeping with somebody in the congregation. Christianity doesn't mean anything, and no Christian has really become me. What's the gospel for Joe, white or black? What's the gospel for Jose? What's the gospel for Josie? Furthermore, do you see Jose in here? Do you see the islanders in here? Do you see this being a safe place for a black or a brown person? A gay and lesbian person? Do you see this as a safe place? Is your household a safe place for them? This scripture says we become like, we become very liberal in our methodology. We say, yeah, if you're you're not struggling with alcohol, yeah, I'll go sit, have have a beer with you. I want to hear what's going on with you. Yeah, I'll go to that art show, even though some of that section of the room is ridiculous and I would call pornography. I'll, I'll be in the darkness with you. I care for you. I'll listen to your tragedies. I'll listen to your story. I will become you. Not to the point where it's geeky or false or I'm a sales guy and I'm trying to mirror your life and manipulate your life. But I will authentically be Jesus in front of you and I will care for you. That's what he's saying. I became like those who were bound by this law who don't know the freedom of Christ. I became like those who, didn't, who never knew God. And God wasn't for the Gentiles where Paul grew up. And it was total judgment. And he said, I became like them. And he probably took the hits. Are you willing to be with the quirky person that maybe others think is a little bit weird or just a little bit outside of your box? Are we willing to become like for the name of Christ, for what he says in reverence to God, in motivation to the gospel, so that others will receive the blessing? 
Are you willing for your reputation, first of all, will you stand with Christ above all other things in your life? That's what he's asking. That's what he's saying. Do it all for the sake of the gospel. And the conflict is we don't see ourselves and therefore we don't become comfortable. Where is Josie in here? You know what? I know many Josies have come to Red Sea. My cousin was one. A Portlander through and through. 15-year relationship with her girlfriend and came to Red Sea many times and had the hardest time believing that Christians would love her. But would have the spark to go, I'm really confused. God seems to be willing to accept me as I am today. And, all, and about half the room is going, yeah, but there's some things. I know what God's thinking about her. I know what the scriptures say. No, just as you are today. Not who you should be or who you'll be in health as you follow Christ, but as you are exactly today. Will you become like them today, not tomorrow, waiting for them to meet your standard? They meet God's standard because they're human. He became human and loves them unconditionally and every one of us is a discriminator you can go oh well i got all the list that he just covered i just covered three people and those three people aren't here do you miss those people do you see those people and go there's a blessing missing for your life the mandate on my life is that I'm to feel the tension of what it becomes, what it means to become you. How do I become you? And furthermore, I have no desire to become you. In fact, I'm going to go home now and be in my world. And I'll ask you this. What is the strategy, the motivation, and the vision of your household? What is your family? What is your household if you have roommates? What is the mission of your household? Is your household called to become like the neighbors that you live among? We're talking about personal things. And furthermore, what if we were called to become as a community something attractive to another community? What if, what if I got on the phone next week? Could I confidently say, we so understand the gospel that Jesus, the nature, the, the person, the workings of Jesus, the good news that has come to us and many of our households, do we so understand that here in Mass that I could call the Mormon church up and say, we want to host a picnic and play softball with you? And somebody along the way would go, are we allowed to do that? <laughs> We're called to demonstrate freedom. Servants in Christ are free people. He incarnated and became us. So let's close. Before we take communion and sing a couple songs, but as we're thinking about this, I want you to write a few scriptures down.
As we think about becoming like, to connect with, to serve people. You know what? The more and more I talk about incarnation, so give me five minutes of your attention. The more and more I think about the scriptures and what God says and the way God's an inviter, do you know what I hear becoming like becomes? It's really basic, you guys, and we don't do it well in America. This is why this scripture of us getting out of our comfort zones, I mean really, really caring about our neighbor, really becoming like somebody else. Here's what I think it's likened to. And maybe you can use this as a mini litmus. So if I went over to a pool and I'm going to see the acidity test of the pool, I'm going to stick something in there. For you to stick this into your heart, your soul, think about are you good at hospitality? See, I think becoming like is very similar to hospitality because you're thinking through what is it going to be like to have somebody in my environment? I know she likes chocolate. I'm going to put chocolate out tonight. They don't drink coffee. I'll put the coffee stuff away. They're Mormon. I'll make sure all the caffeine's put away. He struggles. I know that he struggles with lust. I'm going to dress a little more conservative today so they don't have to have anything going on. That's talking about bringing people into your home as your home on mission to become like. You know what? They are devout Buddhists. They are devout Mormons. They are unspiritual. This gay couple believes these things. Will you meet them in these places? I think it looks a lot like hospitality. And here's the deal. Here's another litmus test. Are you invited to parties? Or are you going to be Debbie Downer? Don't invite the Christian over because we can't be ourselves. I talk to Christians that go, I like hanging with unbelievers better because I can be myself with them. They don't get all shocked when I tell them I'm really struggling Jesus was invited to parties. That should be a litmus test. Do people accept you and are they wanting to be hospitable and have you in their environment? Becoming like. Relationally, in the context of us seeking to save the lost, of pleasing God, and of having this strategy of becoming like, here's two things that it'll show. One, it's going to show God's character because it's not in our character to, be, to die to self. It's not in our character to sacrifice so much, to not listen to the music you want to listen to or have the conversation you want to or eat the meal that you want to. You're going to die to yourself. And what that would show is God's character because Jesus died to self. He humbled himself, the scriptures say, even to the point of death. So you'll show God's character. The other thing is you'll reveal the kingdom. You'll not only be attractional and when you have people in your home and into your life, but you'll also be missional as you go into their life, right? There is an exchange. Remember the picture of Dom and Dave? There is an exchange. I'm going to go into your culture, be with you, not require you to leave, you can call yourself Catholic Christian. I have no problem with that. I have lots of students that say, can I be Catholic and go to Red Sea? You sure can. You can be anything you want and come to Red Sea. 
you can remain in your environment. And over time, through, through discipleship and nurturing, you will find that you'll become a different person. And sometimes you will have left your old community and you'll need to go back and go, I still care for you as a community. Sometimes we abandon our friends willingly. We judge them. We become herky-jerky among them. So here it is. Christ became like you. He became human, and he took on sin in order to reveal God to humanity. Hebrews 2.14, write this down. This will be homework later. Hebrews 2.14, he took on flesh. Why? Because he's going to share the whole experience with you. He took it all on. He was tempted in all ways, Hebrews 4.15. Why did he allow himself to, to be tempted? Why was he in that position as God? So he would know your every experience and to sympathize with you. John 1, 1 through 14, which we were going to read, it became the light of men. He showed us the way. He came to give us rights. This is a piece of us. Will we, will we take on your experience? Will we try and understand your temptations and the way you're living? And will we be right-bearing? Will we give rights? Will we give freedom? Will we bring the light? And Jesus, in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, took on equality with all men, and that's because of humility. But the most important one that I'd like you to look up is Mark 10, 45. Jesus gave his life as a ransom. He died to self in order to serve others. So, here's our wrap-up. I want to pray about not being a me-harmony church. I want to pray about the, all the Palauans. If you were here yesterday at the Hub and Grub, we probably had 30 Palauans here. They're very interested in who we are and the way that we live with Jesus. Will they be welcome here? If they came here, would you be cool singing two or three Palauan songs in a language that you don't know? Your household, will your household become more strategic in reaching your neighbors? Connecting? Here's a real, real hard examination of ourselves. Are we really a blessing in people's lives? Do they view you as a blessing? Do you do peculiar things that nobody else that they know do in the way of serving because you follow Christ? Let me say that one again. Do you do things that nobody else does because you follow Christ? Do you do such outrageous loving things? Do you join somebody that is supposed to, that isn't so easy to love? Do you do things that demonstrate the character of God because you're one of his? Do you reveal the kingdom through your invitation or your sending out? 
All of this culminates to dying to self. Jesus was broken for you. He became you. He became flesh. He became humility. He was tempted by sin. And that's why we come here all of the time as we have a deep thankfulness. Today, this morning in Psalm 32, a friend of mine prayed it, had no idea I was going to read it. He prayed Psalm 32, basically, and then I read it. And what it talked about is the power that God not only came to become like us, he came to become like us to befriend us and to trust so that we would have trust in him, so that we would have faith and belief in his power. And he laid his life down for us so that you can be forgiven, so that your burden and your plight and your life would be light and easy and catch this one, even full of joy. I don't see a lot of smiling people in life. Not the fake synthesized, fabricated smile. The one that somebody says, somebody came to be like me and they took on my whole plight and then they took it to the cross because my plight is full of sin. But I've confessed those sins and God has forgiven me. And I travel in a community of people that get that. And I can't wait to invite people into my family because these people will accept everybody because they get it. They get what the good news is that Jesus died for all. That in the scriptures it says the Father doesn't want any to perish. This is our mission. Come to the table today and confess. Repent of your discrimination, of the reason you're not willing to do the hard work of the gospel. Why all your friends are just like you. This is a critical message. Will you pray? with me? Lord Jesus, there's so much to say in regards to what you took on, taking and bearing our sins, taking the wrath of God, justifying us, clearing the account. It says that you have paid for it all. We have a relationship with God. We have to remember over and over again, every time we preach a sermon, it's within the context of relationship, not religion. We get to have a relationship with the Father and be brought into the family because, Jesus, you took on our plight, and it was your mission to do so. And you completed it to the point where you were separated for a moment from your own Father. You laid it all down, and, and we must do the same now. For there to be a multitude that comes from a seed, the seed must die. And so, Lord, you miraculously produce life from death. And you want us to die to some of our barriers. The kingdom blows barriers down and says, I'll be with you. In fact, God with you, Emmanuel. Will we be Emmanuel's people? Will we be Emmanuelized God's people with them. Let us love our neighbor as ourself, Lord. Let us be identified by our love 
as you came full of grace and truth. Let us be that way. Let us walk in your likeness. Let us become more like you so that we'll have the power to become like our neighbors, our friends, our relatives. We love you so very much. We thank you for what you've done for us this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. We want to respond to it through our whole life, not just by singing songs or tithing and propelling the mission those, or even the reality of, of having buildings or assets or ministries. But, Lord, we want to be a priesthood. We don't want to be a church defined by a building or activities or events. We want to be defined by the things we're willing to do in your name for our neighbor. We love you, God. We thank you that we can become like and connect for the sake of the gospel and so that others would receive those blessings from heaven. Thank you, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, here's what's going to happen now. we're going to hear a little bit of music, but I want you to meditate a little bit on some scriptures. So we'll do this for like three or four minutes, and then we'll go into a few songs, and we'll worship, we'll take communion, and we'll tithe, and you can pray anywhere you'd like, or if you want to write uh, some poetry and set it at one of these crosses, that's fine. If you want to pray up here, you can pray at these stairs. If you want to pray up here or you want to be prayed for, Come up here and just go like this so we'll know. And uh, I'm sure there's about three or four people that like to pray here. And, and somebody else will come beside you and pray with you. Okay? Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.